Praise the Lord, everybody. Aren't you glad to be in the Lord's house today? Amen. What a wonderful touch of God's in the house. Amen. I know he showed up to do something wonderful in all of our lives. You can be seated if you want to tonight. Amen. God bless you. The apostles in one place said we can't help but declare those things we have both seen and heard. And uh, I'm just going to preach tonight what I preached last Tuesday in our home church. Uh, not because I think it's a great message, but it's really the only thing I can feel in my heart right now. And uh, I hope it blesses somebody here. You know, it's a God thing when God brings people together. It's a God thing. And uh, I was at the very lowest place of my entire life five year, a little over five years ago. And uh, I'd been traveling for about nine years. And uh, my wife was not traveling a lot with me because of our kids and grandkids. And I just came to the place. You know, grace is the ability of God to do the will of God. And it doesn't matter how tough it is. If grace is on your life, you can do it because God's there to help you. But God sometimes releases his grace and his grace withdraws from us and no longer is there in that enablement left in our lives. But sometimes because we don't know what else to do, we just keep doing what we've been doing. But instead of it being easy, it's hard. And instead of it going real smoothly, it becomes extremely difficult. And that's what had happened in my life. And in this sanctuary right across the street, I told God, I'm done, I'm done. The only way I can be a preacher is to travel and be away from my family. I was a husband before I was ever a preacher. And this is covenant, not ambition. And I'm going to take care of my covenant before I chase my ambition. And I, I told this to Brother Frost. I told Brother Frost, I'm done. I quit. I'm never going to preach again. And uh, you guys don't know what happened, but I think it was a midweek service. You brought me up front and laid hands on me and prayed for me and I was not over halfway home and I got a phone call about a little church with nine people in the city of Tulsa Oklahoma that couldn't find a pastor and they said we're sure you don't want it and I said I bet I do and so uh, anyway five years we've been pastoring I can't tell you the change in me and my wife and my children there's a scripture I'm going to use as my kickoff point here tonight. It says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And we haven't had great revival in Tulsa, but I've saved myself and I've saved my wife and I've saved my children. And I'd rather save those people than to save the whole world. Because what does it profit a man if he saves the world and he can't save his own children? And along the way, God's added a few faithful souls to us. We've just been approved for a loan to build. And uh, as soon as these lumber prices come down a little bit where I can let go of my anxiety, we're going to break ground. But uh, glad to be in the will of God, glad to be in the work of God. And I gave you that long story to tell you this. I have a, I have a wonderful natural father. I have a wonderful natural father. And if my father... Or when my father dies, I'm not going to go find a new father. You understand me? And I had an amazing pastor. And he's passed. He's gone. So I can't ever replace him. Paul said you have many instructors but only one father. You, you can't replace your father. You can't replace your pastor. You, you just have one. Um, but Bishop Frost has... Um, 
fulfilled a very pivotal role in my life and in my wife's life. And, and we're so honored for what God did. It was a God thing. You hear me? It was a God thing. And uh, love and appreciate the Bradfords and everybody that's here tonight. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? Amen. Luke, the 18th chapter, verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't you like it when God tells you what his motive is for what he's doing? His motive here for everything we're about to say is he was afraid that men would lose heart, they'd quit praying, and they would faint. Do you see that? He was worried. He was worried that people would quit praying. He said, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, no regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjudged judge said, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry unto him day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith upon the earth. He spake this parable unto this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes again, he's going to find people who still have enough faith to pray and not to quit. God wondered, seeing our age, how many things in the last year have surprised you? I want you to know they didn't surprise God. God already knew them. But God looking at us in these last days, he wondered if there would be anybody left to pray. So he taught this lesson unto them to get our attention. And I want to read it one more time for you seated in the ESV. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not to lose heart. And he said, a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city that kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry unto him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God bless you. You can be seated today. I'm old enough to remember layaway programs. In our culture, it was normal if you wanted something and you could not afford it, you went down on payday or whatever day and you put a little bit of money on whatever it was you were buying and in time you would pay that off and you would take it home. You see, as a society, we greatly frowned upon credit and we didn't, as a society, want to owe people anything. And, and even outside of the church, such quotes as the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave to the lender, were quoted even in secular society. Verses like, render, their, 
Render therefore all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, and know no man anything. Borrowing in our society was frowned upon both in the church and in the secular world. The only thing more frowned upon than credit was charity, being the recipient of free stuff. How many of your moral education had anything to do with Louis L'Amour? Anybody read Louis L'Amour? Did he, 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 uh, did he help any of you in your, in your moral values and, and uh, compass? And not in all of his books, but oftentimes when he would write about poor people, he would say they were poor, but they were too proud to take free stuff. And haven't we come a long way in our society today where we live on credit and all of us are out looking for something for nothing? Simple things like a winter coat or school clothes or a washing machine used to be bought on time and, and we paid it off before we took it home. But when you took it home, it belonged to you. You never paid interest on it because the business had nothing at risk because you were not taking it home until you had completely paid for it. There was no such thing as a repossession because you paid for it before you took it home. My first adventure into, into, um, into the layaway program was a 10-speed bike. And when I was in, in third grade, I had a little newspaper route and I wanted to Schwinn 10-speed bike. It was yellow. And every time I got paid, we'd go down and they had this little cardboard stub and the original amount was up there and they'd put their signature, whoever I gave the money to and how much ever money I gave them. And, and one day I paid that off and I rode it. I rode it all the way home. Paying for it before you own it teaches you the importance of hard work and the true worth of things. Paying for it before you own it teaches you patience, persistence, and it renders the rich reward of delayed gratification. Can you say it with me today? Delayed gratification. I'm here to tell you if you're not willing to pay for it prior to owning it, you'll never be a great person of faith. You'll never be a great person of prayer. And can I tell you, you'll never be a great person in the kingdom of God. You see, big doors swing on little hinges, and there's something about persistence and refusing to give up and keep on going even when the answer looks like it's no. And prayer oftentimes is the layaway plan of eternity. I know it's out of style today where we finance everything and, and we get everything really, really quick. But getting everything really, really quick will blow up in your face for it erodes your patience. It destroys your persistence. It damages your self-control. You don't ever really appreciate the true value of something because easy come, easy go. I remember real food. How many remember when popcorn used to take more than 60 seconds in a microwave? Real food. I remember when oatmeal took time, and even macaroni and cheese took more than two and a half minutes in the microwave. Things that come quick, they're quick. Let's be honest, they're not quite 
the same. I want you to know tonight this message is crucial to every area of your life because you need to steel yourself to wait for it and while you're waiting for it, to work toward it. Would you say it with me? Wait for it. And while you're waiting, work for it. Look at your neighbor and you need to tell him, you need to wait for it. And while you're waiting, you need to work towards it. In your personal life, in your social life, in your spiritual life, you need to wait for it. And while you're waiting, you need to work towards it. Girls used to have something called a hope chest, and, and while they were waiting, they were working. Today we're so busy spending every nickel we got to impress people that, that we have no time to think about that day somewhere up the road. They would buy things like bedding sheets and Tupperware and, and knives and forks and utensils and and ironing, all those things that you take for granted that you're going to need when you set up your own house. And, and while she was waiting, she was working. Today we get married and immediately we go out and rack up huge credit card bills, buying all the things that we have to have to start a house because while we were waiting, we did not want to work. When we got married, you shouldn't do it the way we did. We were poor. I don't think we had a new couch till we'd been married probably 10 years. We lived on hand-me-downs, but we had Tupperware from my wife's hope chest, and we had silverware, and we had bedding sheets, and I don't know what else we had, but thank God for a wife with a hope chest because we'd been in trouble because we had no credit, but that's how it was when I got married. Today, people buy what they want, and they beg for what they need. They buy what they want, and they do without the things that they need the most. This is why mama has a brand new iPhone, and the kids go hungry. This is why there's money for dad to have cigarettes, alcohol, and porn. But the kids need new clothes. And we've spawned all kinds of social programs to feed the kids because nobody has any self-control and nobody wants to discipline themselves to wait and nobody wants to delay in getting the things that they desire right now. And the art of prayer cannot be understood unless you have mastered the art of waiting, delayed gratification, desiring it, and praying about it, and refusing to give up when it does not come quickly. Waiting on the promises, waiting on an answer, waiting for an opportunity. Hallelujah, praying and praying until the healing comes. Praying and praying and praying until the deliverance comes. Praying and praying and praying until the advancement come, waiting. But while you're waiting, keep on praying, making deposits on the things that you desire. God, understanding and seeing our get-quick generation, ask, 
when the Son of Man comes again? Is he going to find anybody on the earth who still believes in the power of prayer? When the Son of Man comes, is there anybody still going to be persistent in prayer who simply refuses to give up when it does not look like it's going to come? Hallelujah. Would there be anybody left who would be persistent and adamant in prayer? Would there be anybody left participating in heaven's layaway program? God wondered. Would you say it with me? God wondered. Knowing what he had prepared and knowing his ability to supply, God wondered. He wondered if there would be anybody courageous enough to still to be praying. I don't know about you, but when he comes back, I want to be praying. I think my ability to be saved exponentially increases if, if somehow I can be praying when he returns. I, I believe if somehow I'm, I'm right in the middle of a red-hot prayer meeting, my chance of being saved increases dramatically. I, I want to be praying when he comes because I want to be saved. You hear me? I want to be saved. I have one desire in this world, and, and that is to be saved. I, I want to see him face to face. I'm here to tell you if there were a button on this pulpit today where I could push it and go to be with him right now, I would push it. I want to be saved. I, I want to go to heaven. Thank God for all the blessings down here, but I want to go to heaven. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I, I want to see him. I want to see him. I want, I want to look upon his face. I, I want to see him. When he returns, I want to be praying. Therefore, I must live every day like today could be the day. Here in our text, we have a voiceless woman. We have a desperate woman. We have a widow with no husband and seemingly no boy sons to speak for her. In our modern culture, we don't understand this, but you understand in biblical times, a woman was not allowed to speak in the church. She was not allowed to speak outside of her own home. This is the, con this is the cultural context of, of, of what was going on here. So you don't, you, you got to understand how out of context it was for this woman to be constantly berating and badgering this judge saying, give me justice. I demand that you give me justice. I might be a voiceless woman, but I refuse to give up. I'm begging you, would you please? give me justice fix it would you say it with me fix it you got an area in your life you need fixed is there anything in your life broken that needs fixed the bible has a remedy for whatever broken problems there are in your life here he came to a judge who totally ignored her not once but over and over again, he came, she came to a judge who had no regard for her. She came to a judge who did not see her case as important, yet she refused to give up. If you want something bad enough, you've got to become tenacious about it. I don't understand people who say, well, I left an application and nobody called. Well, I guess you don't want it. 
I, I don't understand people who say, well, I called and left a message. I'm, I'm waiting for them to call me back. I tell you, the problem is you really don't want it. And the problem is you've already accepted life without ever whatever it is that you're asking for. You see, one of our problems today is we have too many options. Because when you want something, any grandmas in the room? Any mamas in the room? When they want something, they ask, and they ask, and they ask, and they ask. And by their continual coming, they beat you down, don't they, till they finally get it. Because I'm here to tell you, when you really want it, you ask, and you ask, and you ask. There's something tenacious when the human spirit is aroused. The, the human spirit is unrelenting when it is incited. And, and you cannot crush it, you cannot extinguish it, nor can you conquer it. I want to ask you, is there anything in your life that you want bad enough? to really go after it? Is there anything in your life you want enough to become tenacious over it until you require, you get what it is that you're asking for? I'm afraid that this Laodicean age that we're living in has robbed us of our ability to be tenacious in prayer. We're so rich and increased that we've lost our fervency in prayer. We're so sedated with our earthly pleasures we're oblivious to our spiritual poverty. And God wondered. God wondered. God wondered if when he came again, there would be anybody who still was fervent in prayer. And the Bible said, finally, she wore the judge down. He said, this widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so that she does not beat me down by her continual coming. This judge was a godless man, an insensitive man, without regard for anybody. He was probably born into his position. He had never known what it was to go without. He was oblivious to the suffering of this woman, completely lacking in any empathy for her cause. But this woman... Would you say it with me, this woman? If you're that woman, would you touch yourself and say, this woman, this woman, hallelujah, that woman became tenacious in her prayer. I want you to know there's something tenacious about a woman who gets desperate with God. I want you to know there's something tenacious about a woman who feels like she's been scorned and ignored. Hallelujah, I've come with the word today. It doesn't matter what life has said and others have said. If you'll pray and pray and keep on praying, I want you to know the answer. Don't let life or people or others or hell tell you that it cannot be. The Living Bible said she wore him down. The ESV said she beat him down. In life, there are only some things you get after you've wanted them for a long time. And finally, you've worn other people down to get them. In the kingdom, there are some things you only get what you want after you've worn them down by asking for them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he told them this parable to the fact that they ought to always pray and not to lose heart. 
God's motive for this story was to encourage you to pray. We're talking about the layaway program called prayer. Jesus said that the continual prayer can change the mind of God. It's mind-boggling the power of prayer. Not one-time prayer, but relentless, adamant, fervent prayer. The greatest privilege in the kingdom of God is that of prayer. But can I tell you, the greatest responsibility that we have in living for God is prayer. Would you say it with me, prayer? And when we get up in the morning, our greatest responsibility during that day is to pray. And if we go to bed that night without praying, it does not matter what else we have done. We have failed in our greatest responsibility. Prayer. 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 Prayer can reverse the verdict. Prayer can change God's mind. We say little things like, well, if it's God's will, it's God's will. And if, if God said it, that settles it. And if God wants to heal, God just will. And, and these little statements absolve us of the responsibility of prayer. And oftentimes they justify us in our prayerless lifestyle. Prayer. 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 Prayer can do what nagging won't do. Prayer. Prayer can do what worry won't do. Prayer. Prayer will do what manipulation won't do. Prayer. If my people which are called by my name. Prayer. 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 And he spake this parable unto them that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh again, Shall he find that kind of faith on the earth? God wondered if when he came back there would be anybody still participating in the layaway program called prayer. In Isaiah, the 38th chapter, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order. For thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which was good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. For the grave cannot praise thee and death cannot celebrate thee. Then came the word of the Lord unto Isaiah, saying, Go and say unto Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer and seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days thirteen years, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Syria, and I will defend this city. Sometimes God's waiting for you to pray so that he can change the verdict. Sometimes God's waiting for you to pray so that he can make the sunset stand still. Sometimes God's waiting for you to pray so that he can part the Red Sea. Prayer, 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 prayer. Just because you prayed once and it didn't happen 
doesn't mean it's time to quit. You just need to keep paying it down, making another installment upon it. You need to make a payment upon it every month. You need to make a payment upon it every week. Can I tell you, you need to make a payment upon it every day. Every night before you go to bed, make another installment. Do you really want it? Then why don't you go after it in prayer and while you're waiting for it? Work for it. Avenge me of my adversary. God, when are you going to change my story? God, when are you going to change my situation? I turned 40 years of age. And almost overnight, I woke up in a world I did not recognize. And for over 10 years, every day, I prayed, God, you cannot leave me like I am. You can't leave me here. You cannot leave me like this. You cannot leave me here. I demand justice. You can get bitter and backslide, or you can stay faithful and demand that God change the verdict. You can get bitter with life, bitter with preachers. Or you can get desperate before God and say, God, I demand you change the verdict of my life. I demand you change what others are saying. I demand you change what others are thinking. God, this is unfair. This is not right. I demand justice, God. you say it with me? Prayer. 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 Sometimes God answers immediately, but some things are only brought about in time. The question is, how much do you want it? If you go once and lose heart, you probably didn't want it. Thank God for the times he turns water into wine immediately and thank God for the times he raises the dead boy to life. But here we're studying about the slow process of continual, persistent, passionate prayer. This is for people who have been a long time in the situation they're in and it does not look like the answer is on its way. This is for people who relentlessly and hungrily will seek for the verdict of their life to change. This is for people who desire to see the unjust things in their life overturned by the power of God. I want you to know we have a God who changes his mind. We have a God who responds to prayer. Thirteen times in your Bible, the Bible declares that God repented. God reversed the verdict. God said one thing, and then in response to people who were praying, he showed up and did something different. This is what David was doing after the prophet left and said that boy is going to die. He began to seek the face of God, and he said, I'm not giving up lest preaventure God will repent. I, I'm begging God to change his mind, and I'm not going to quit till God decides one way or the other. Is there anybody here left in 2000, uh, in 2021 who can pray and keep on praying when it doesn't look like the answer comes? 
God said, I want you to know when the Son of Man comes again, will there be any kind of faith like this left upon the earth? Don't be afraid to pray until something moves. This woman found herself in an unrelenting situation, an unmovable situation, but it broke. Would you say it with me? It broke because she refused to quit. Ha, ha, ha. The devil tells you quit. It ain't doing any good. No, I, I, you need to pray more. Life tells you to quit. No, 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 no. You need to pray even more. Others will tell you how long you're going to believe him. I'm going to believe him till I die, but I'm going to go out pray, and I'm going to go out believing. Before you give up and say there's no justice, before you give up and say there's no hope, before you give up and say there is no answer, before you give up and say there is no cure, why don't you try persistent, continual, passionate prayer? I've got four quick points I want to make tonight, and I'll be through. The first one is the power of passion. The power that's released in within us when we really, really want something. Some people are never passionate about anything because they're not willing to take any risks. And so they live all of their life in neutral, neither wanting much nor risking much. Never exposing themselves to disappointment because they never allow themselves to expect too much. Would you say it with me? The power of passion. Hannah's passion altered the way she acted. From a distance, she looked like she was drunk. Her passion slurred her words and made her, made her steps unsteady. Her passion made her unconsolable in the house. Her passion drove her. The power of passion. Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith, it shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. Wherefore I say unto you that whatsoever things you desire, the power of passion... Whatsoever things you desire, the power of passion. When you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. If you don't desire it, you're not capable of praying about it. The power of passion. Not hoping for it, not wishing for it, but working for it while you wait. Number two is the power of prayer. Would you say it with me, the power of prayer? I question whether or not we believe in it anymore. We position ourselves. We promote ourselves. We make excuses for ourselves. We justify ourselves. And we give ourselves life, God, the devil, and others a reason why things just are the way that they are. 
The Bible said, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Go in the closet and shut the door. Go in a private place and shut your mouth. Quit telling everybody else and simply talk to God. The power of prayer. The Bible said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject unto like passions as we are, yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. I'm afraid that prayer has become the last resort. Prayer is the last option. Prayer is the band-aid that we put upon all of our boo-boos and our problems, and we run our mouths to everybody around us, and we fail to go in a closet and shut the door and to tell the one person who can truly do something about it for us. The power of prayer. If we will pray, God will move. Pray about it. Stop talking about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. Stop worrying about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. Stop complaining about it. And he spake this parable unto the end that men ought to always to pray and not to faint. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith upon the earth. God wondered if anybody would still be passionate about prayer. Number three, the power of persistence. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, that you might receive the promises. You ever seen that little prayer, uh, that little meme, God, give me patience, and would you please hurry up? The power of persistence. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither thou be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as a light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. The power of persistence. Wait upon the Lord. Don't run ahead. Don't lag behind. Wait upon the Lord. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Wait upon the Lord. Quit worrying about others. Quit fretting about life. Wait upon the Lord. 
Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord, the power of patience. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard the Creator, the God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, to them that are with no might. He increases in strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The power of patiently waiting upon the Lord. Do you know what God gave you when he gave you the Holy Ghost? He gave you a place of rest. Do you know what God gave you when he gave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? He gave you a place of rest. And this is the rest wherein you shall cause the weary to rest. When you're in trouble, you know what you need to do? You need to quit speaking in English and start speaking in tongues. Let the Spirit make intercession. You don't know what you ought to pray, but the Spirit knows what to pray. While you're speaking in English, all you're doing is working yourself up and getting more animated. But when you begin to speak in tongues, you begin to rest. You begin to rest. And the Spirit begins to move things that you cannot move because the Spirit is praying things that you cannot pray. I'm going to quote it wrong, but here a little, there a little. For a stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people. This is the rest we call the weary the rest. This is the refreshing. And it says, but they would not. And so they begin to go backwards, little. I want you to know it's a big deal when you don't let God pray through you over your problems. Instead of them getting step-by-step step better, you get step-by-step step worse. Instead of little-by-little little things getting better and deliverance coming into your life, step-by-step step you go a little bit farther backward. It's a big deal. You need to pray. You, when you got a problem, you need to pray. We don't just have the Holy Ghost so we get doodads up and down our back. It's the refreshing and it's the resting. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. We must steal ourselves to patiently wait upon the Lord. And lastly, the power of persistence. Knock. And keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. For those who repetitively seek, ask, and knock will find the power of persistence. Persistent people get things that the faint in heart will never discover the power. Of persistence but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them who simply refuse to quit 
God will reward you if you'll become persistent in prayer. I want you to know not everybody can sing. But anybody can pray. Not everybody can teach a whole Bible study. But anybody can pray. Not everybody can play a musical instrument. Not everybody can preach. But anybody can pray. And he spake this parable to the effect that men ought to always pray and not to lose heart. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes again, is he going to find that kind of prayer? You got a problem in your life? You got a situation in your life that seems unmovable? Would you stand with me? Come on, would you stand with me all across the house? I'm done. a praying church. You're a praying people. Maybe this is just for one. I don't know. Prayer. 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 Prayer can do what nothing else can do. Prayer. 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 Amen. As they begin to sing, would you come together around the front? Let's just talk to the Lord this morning. This evening. Come on, would you, would you come together around the front? Let's just talk to the Lord today. Would you help me? Come on, would you come? Let's pray. Would you respond right now? Would you pray? Come on, would you respond right now? Would you respond right now? Would you, would you come? Would you pray? Would you pray? Come on, would you pray? Would you lift your voice? Would you pray? Lift your voice. Open your mouth. Lift your voice. Would you pray? 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 The greatest responsibility, the greatest privilege of Christianity is one, is one of prayer. Would you pray? Come on, would you lift your voice? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray for that lost son? Would you pray for that lost daughter? Would you pray for that broken situation? Come on, would you, would you open your mouth right now? Would you pray? Would you pray? Come on, would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you open your mouth? Would you pray? Make a deposit on what it is you desire. Would you pray? Make an installment upon what you desire. Would you pray? Prayer. Prayer. Why don't you quit talking in English about it? Speak in tongues. Let the Spirit pray over it. Come on. Let the Spirit pray over it. Quit fighting it in your own flesh and let, let God fight it for you. Come on. Pray.
<laughs> when the Son of Man comes, is he going to find anybody who still believes in prayer?